Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast with a bit of New Testament thrown in during the Easter season. I'm Tim McNinch. And I'm Rosie Candethel. We are both PhD candidates in Hebrew Bible at Emory University, and our colleague, the incomparable Reverend Dr. Rachel Wren, is off this week. During Easter, we have been following the Revised Common Lectionary and focusing on the book of Acts, which replaces the Old Testament readings throughout the Easter season. And the first reading for May 22nd is Acts 16, verses 9 through 15. Tim, you're up this week, and I'm curious to hear what sorts of Hebrew Bible resonances you were able to suss out for this passage. <laughs> right. Well, I should say right up front that this might be a brief episode because it just about had me stumped. Uh, mm. We've been asking ourselves along the way here, what do we need to know about the Hebrew Bible to better understand this passage in Acts? And the truth is, there isn't any really essential Old Testament background to this particular excerpt. Uh, Acts 16, 9-15 is a little interlude passage in Acts, marking the jump that Paul and his companions made from their mission in Asia, that is Turkey, over into Macedonia, which is Greece, uh, for the first time. So the message of Jesus was making a leap here into the Greek homeland for the first time. Hey, but uh, this is where they meet Lydia, right? Yeah, yeah, good memory. This reading starts with a bit of travelogue as the missionaries bounce from city to city, but then they park for a while in Philippi, and the first named convert in Macedonia is this prominent woman named Lydia, who becomes their host. Okay, so a bit of a stumper, as you were saying, right? And you weren't getting any strong Hebrew Bible vibes while you read this story? Well, nothing truly essential for understanding the text, but there are definitely some vibes there for those who want to take a bit of a deeper dive. Hey, that's me. I'm raising my hand. I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> what did you find? Well, um, do you remember when we were chatting with Susan Hyland a few weeks back about some of the Old Testament patterning in Paul's presentation in Acts? Yeah, yeah, right. So if I remember correctly, we were comparing Saul, who then becomes Paul, uh, his call story to the prophetic call stories in the Hebrew Bible. Exactly. And in particular, we noticed some really interesting connections between how Paul's presented in Acts and the Elijah, Elisha traditions in First uh, and Second Kings. I think that prophetic shaping of Paul's ministry is still at work here in Acts 16. There's a couple features that stand out to me. First, uh, the way that Paul's movements here are directed by the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Jesus is reminiscent of how Elijah and Elisha were directed here or there by God's mm -hmm. direction. Especially if we back up our lectionary reading this week to verse 6, verses 6 and 7 in Acts 16 give a couple instances of the missionaries' movements being actually hindered by the Spirit. They were prevented by God from traveling to Asia, which would be sort of the western coast of Turkey, and Bithynia, which was the northern region of Turkey. And then in verse 9, Paul has this dream, which is interpreted as divine guidance to travel over to Macedonia. So in a similar way, God is portrayed as a kind of travel guide in the Hebrew Bible. God's first words to Abraham are what? Get up and go to the place that I'll show you. The strongest example of this theme is probably the image of God as a pillar of cloud and fire guiding the Israelites through the wilderness to the promised land. But I'm especially interested in the way that God gives travel orders to the prophets. Hmm. 
Prophets are kind of like divine ambassadors, and they're often given travel orders to take messages from God to individuals, often kings, in this place or that place. It makes me wonder if the attention given here in Acts to the way that God's Spirit directs Paul's movements is a way to further cast him in a sort of prophetic mold, taking God's message to various intended recipients around the Roman world. Yeah, that is really interesting. But I have always found it strange that the Holy Spirit would have hindered them from entering Asia. Like, why not preach in Asia or Bithynia? It makes sense that the author of Acts wants to emphasize that these ambassadors are not just acting on their own inclinations, but are being sent, like, as you said, as prophetic messengers by God. But it just seems like a limited mission. Yeah, limited or focused, perhaps. And I think okay, that's good. probably the emphasis here. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a really helpful way to look at that, a focused mission. Anything else? Anything in the Lydia section of the reading, for example? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, now that you mention it, I think uh, that the connections to Elijah and Elisha continue in the section where Paul and his companions meet Lydia. Both Elijah and Elisha are directed by God to travel to new places where prominent women will host them and care for them. Nice. In in 1 Kings 17.8, God's word comes to Elijah saying, Go to Tsarfat in Sidon and stay there, for I've commanded a widow there to feed you. That widow is often remembered as a poor woman because she had very little food. But her poverty there is an acute situation, not a chronic one. She's starving because of the widespread drought that's sort of in the context of that Elijah story, which the text portrays as God's judgment against King Ahab. So the widow in 1 Kings 17 is actually portrayed in the story as the head of a household and responsible for the well-being of many people, which um, actually kind of makes sense of her patronage of Elijah while he stays in her city in in Sarfat. Hmm. That is really interesting and helpful. So Lydia is also portrayed as a leader of an extended household. Yes, exactly. And, you know, in a similar way, the prophet Elisha is hosted in 2 Kings 4 by a wealthy woman in Shunem. So patronage of the prophets by a prominent woman, that's a recurring theme? Yeah, I think so. And so I would read this encounter with Lydia in Philippi as another expression of the really prophetic nature of Paul's mission. That is a super cool connection. Um, So do you have a preaching angle related to that thread? Well, I do think that one of the prominent exegetical themes of this passage in Acts is the way that the movements of Paul and his companions were directed by the Holy Spirit, explicitly named the Spirit of Jesus in Acts 16.7, sometimes in conflict with their own intuitions about where to go and where to preach. Mm. It's emphasizing that these ambassadors were not acting of their own accord, but were being led prophetically by Jesus himself. I could imagine a sermon that drills down into the concept of being led by Jesus rather than what seems most convenient to us at the moment. I think a sermon could also lean into the way that Lydia offered practical assistance and essential support to that fledgling mission in Greece. I mean, her hospitality, according to the means at her disposal, was a key element in the spread of the gospel into a new realm. So, you know, there's probably a stewardship message in there somewhere, right? Like a, yeah, hey. a, a model for us to follow as we give our material support to the ongoing work of Jesus in the world. I bet a lot of preachers might like that angle, right? <laughs> You're right. 
Well, Tim, I think you found a couple of really meaningful um, Old Testament resonances in this uh, stumper of a passage, as you called it. Nice work. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, friends, that will do it for first reading this week. Thanks for listening, and a special thanks to those of you who support this work financially. If you'd like to donate, you can find a PayPal button on our website, firstreadingpodcast.com. We also have all of our back episodes there, as well as info about our guests and hosts. You can also find us on Facebook. Follow, like, comment, and share our posts there. That interaction helps the podcast reach new listeners, so we really appreciate that. Thanks also to Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University for their support. And until next time, I'm Rosie Candifle. And I'm Tim McNinch. Thanks for listening and have a great week. If you'd like to donate, you can find a PayPal bottom button. Sorry, let me say that again. If you'd <laughs> like to donate, you can find a PayPal bot button on our website. <laughs> let me try it again. If you'd like to donate, 